I first met today's guest around 15 years ago. He had taken over marketing duties of the fledgling Outdoor Life Network and was rebranding it into the Sports Network Versus. I was his agency guy and distinctly remember meeting him for the first time in Stamford, Connecticut. I was immediately drawn to him. Together, we worked on the NHL playoff campaign, which, for a hockey guy like me, was a great learning experience and set me up to work on future sports brands. While our careers eventually took different paths, we actually shared a few parallels, both of us having relocated several times for our professions. He ultimately had a lengthy and very successful career at Comcast and NBC Universal, culminating in what can only be described as a high watermark when he introduced Ted Lasso to the world eight years ago. That's correct. Ted Lasso didn't just arrive in our living rooms last year. Today, we're going to discuss how everyone's favorite football coach came to be well before he won a bunch of Emmy Awards. Believe it. My guest is Bill Bergefin, and this is Back by Popular Demand. Bill Bergefin, welcome to the show. It's good to see you, buddy. It's great to see you. Um, again, should we should we talk about uh, what happened, or do you want to, do we not want to get into it? Uh, oh, why not? You brought it up. I brought it up. So we're recording this on a Sunday night, but uh, this is our second go round because Bill, you and I spoke on Thursday, uh, Thursday evening. And I uh, had a great conversation. Must have ran like 75 minutes. And then uh, I couldn't download your sound file. And uh, the entire conversation um, was not captured except from my side. Well, I, I think it's uh, somewhere in the ether they wanted us to chat again. So I'm, I'm psyched to be back with you. Um, I felt like such a jerk to ask you to do it again. I was almost not going to, but I, I had a feeling you'd say yes. And well, you did. Shit and, happens. Uh, and it uh, again, it, it's, a, it's great to be back in touch. So to spend a few more moments chatting with you is just fantastic. Important housekeeping. What are you drinking? Let's start with the most important stuff first. Well, I, I got a little uh, bullet rye in a mason jar as I'm up in farm country in Kent, Connecticut. So uh, uh, what do you got? I am drinking a Weller 12-year, um, courtesy of my buddy Todd Seahorn, who sent me a, uh, a sample pack of some different um, different years back for my birthday. And uh, he sent me like a bunch of little bottles with basically like a one pour. And uh, the 12-year has been sitting in the, in the, uh, the cabinet for a little bit. And I, I broke it out for a special occasion because you're a special occasion. And it was also just a really good Sunday. Let's talk about the Sunday that it's been for me. I'm not sure how your Sunday is. And I'm going to ask you in a second. But my Sunday, let's just play it out because it's only, it's only 4.45 LA time. So I feel like I've gotten a lot done and it's not even evening yet. Had a, uh, had a nice blueberry oatmeal this morning, which is always a good way to start the day. Very and nice. then um, Cowboys, Cowboys Panthers kicked off at 10 o'clock. You know, because all the, uh, you know, with the West Coast time difference, all the one o'clock games, you know, they tee off at, at 10 here, which was great. Yep. Cowboys had a nice victory. It got me a little nervous at first, but they pulled it off. Yankees. Then I moved over to the Yankees Rays, which was ridiculous. And I watched the last couple of innings of that. And uh, our boy Aaron Judge got it done for us. We're in. We're in the wild card, which is great. Did you see any of it? Uh, you, you know what? I I didn't. I was I I had to go out today, and it, it was painful to not be there. But I, I got to tell you, watching the run up for the last twenty games, twenty five games has been just an insane roller coaster. 
and usually de- decided in the ninth inning at the bottom of the ninth. And whether it's, it's, it's judge or Stanton or, or, you know, the closers, I mean, it's, it's just been a wild ride and they, they made it. So then my Sunday wraps with you, which is great. So this is, you're sort of like the bookend. So it's, it's, a, it's been a good day. How was your Sunday? It was good. It was good. Uh, I, I, had a a Dave's killer uh, cinnamon raisin bagel with peanut butter for breakfast. Uh, that stuff's so good. Uh, and then, yeah, we we just we had plans with friends, and you know, it was if it was a seven o'clock game, it would have been great. I would have yep. probably scheduled this a little bit earlier or later. Sure, but yes. uh, you know, uh, ended up just just working out great, and then just uh, demolished a, uh, a a nice prime bone in. Uh, uh, New York Strip, and and now I get the pleasure of speaking with you again. So it's good to see you again. Um, you know, a couple of days later, we're going to pretend in this conversation that we didn't already have the conversation. So when was the last time before Thursday, Bill, that I uh, I saw you? I guess it would have been. Um, I hadn't seen you in a long time, so it was most likely New York. I'm thinking it was around 2014, somewhere around there. Um, I think we were both at the uh, we were at the Pro Max um, jury. I guess the creative awards where the jurors basically um, review all the different creative submissions for the year. And I think you and I ran into each other there. I feel like we were in the same room one at one point that afternoon, I think. Yep. We, uh, we uh, ended up across the table and I was like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Well, obviously we're both uh, in the TV biz. And uh, so it was a fortuitous moment. I love those things because you always get to catch up with, with old friends and, and smart people in the industry. Yeah. You still do any of that or no? I haven't, I haven't, I wasn't sure if you still did. No, I haven't been as involved with pro max. I've been judging the effies. Uh, I, I did a, I did a, a, a the beginning of COVID we, we did a, a, what happens with sports panel, uh, with pro max. But, but other than that, I, I was on the board for, for a couple of terms, uh, early days and, um, uh, it was a great tour of duty, but, uh, left for, for new and fresh and creative minds. So before that, though, uh, you and I last saw each other. It would have been somewhere around, kind of going back a long time, 2006, 2007, somewhere around there in Stanford. You were you were working at Versus at the time. I was your agency guy at Horizon, right? And, uh, uh, that that is correct, and it was uh, it, it, that was just a wild time. Uh, I remember coming on. It was still the Outdoor Life Network, and uh, we had half a logo a network called versus and uh, the NHL season uh, you know, preseason starting in September, but uh, in October and uh, you know, we had a, we had to launch this thing and it was uh, I think I came on July 5th. Okay. And versus had just gotten the rights to the NHL package, right? Wasn't that like right before that? It, it was, yeah, I, I, they had the, the postseason right before that. Then, uh, then, you know, then came into the new season and I was picking it up and, but it was, it was still the outdoor life network. So this was uh, Comcast's uh, play to get into the sports content business. Um, they went the uh, traditional big corporate route and tried to buy Disney to get ESPN, which is, you think about the scale of that, <clears throat> and uh, that didn't work. Uh, then they went for the the NFL rights, and the NFL wasn't willing to place the bet on versus at that point. But the NHL, they were they were ready to get off ESPN and and be uh, be someone's number one. And so we got we got a very fortuitous relationship built in them, and uh, uh, it was a great one. 
It was a great. Now, one. was the was the name change already done when you got to Versus, or was that all part of the you know the flip that you and your team sort of spearheaded at that moment? I, I don't remember. The name was there. Uh, just uh, matter of fact, I was hoping to be able to be involved in the name change, but uh, they already had gone down the road. So when I got there, there was yeah again half a logo. Uh, and I mean, I had to dive in and so I oversaw marketing, creative services and, and PR. So it was just a, a, a top to bottom overhaul, you know, the proverbial painting the cars, it's, it's riding down the, you know, barreling down the highway. Well, I, mean, I want to go back in time in a minute to ask you a little bit more about before you got to versus, but let's stay on versus just for a little bit longer. So you're, you get there, you're brand new. Um, it's Outdoor Life Network, which is obviously an entirely different brand. So it's it's flipping over to Versus. You've got the hockey thing in motion. Um, you're obviously trying to put together your 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 dream marketing team, I would assume. And and with that, you also reviewed your agencies. And that's what led to you and I um, crossing paths because I was at Horizon working on some other business. And they, they said, hey, we're going to give you this, uh, this entertainment uh, sports network called Versus and didn't know much about it. I knew that it was based in Stanford. And um, I remember coming up to see you uh, and I, you know, Remember just getting, I, I, I've said this to you before, but there's always these, there's people you meet in your career where you just have this immediate vibe on somebody. And I've always had a, a really good gut feeling on people, good or bad. And as soon as I met you, I was like, oh, I get this guy. I like this guy a lot. And I know what he's about. And I think you've sort of felt the same. But tell me a little bit more about like, kind of the overall state of the union when, when uh, that flip happened and, and the work that you need to do. This was really the first time I was given uh, the key, you know, handed the keys to the castle and w- was able to make something my own. And, you know, I always felt like, uh, it's always better to be a challenger brand. We were an upstart, even though, even though we were backed by Comcast it was the outdoor life network. And you're taking on, you know, ESPN, which isn't just the 800 pound gorilla in sports television. It was the 800 pound gorilla in television, the driver for cable packages, you know, th- this is a big one. And and so I, I felt like we need that kind of special alchemy. And, and I wanted to go with people that also were like, you know, little big guys. Um, yeah. And uh, for, on the creative side, I brought on taxing Paul Lavoie and they're, they, you know, I think they, they wouldn't let their offices get over like 50 or 75 people before they just would open another one because it would change the culture and they didn't want to get big. And I love that about them. Um, and I, I, I loved Horizon for the same reason. It, you know, Bill K uh, built, built, and is still, you know, firing on all, all cylinders. But you know, it's the biggest independent agency, probably on the planet, I would guess. Uh, so you know, p- putting those t- types of people on the field—no pun intended—you know, or I'll mix my sports metaphors a few times on the call, I'm sure, but. Uh, you know, made a lot of sense. And I love that scrap. And as I think, you know, also the, when I met you, not to blow sunshine, but, you know, you sit across from people and I, I think you had Bill Konigsberg on uh, last time. And he said, you know, there's some people that you just are humble and they don't know the impact that they're making at the time. And you meet them, you just know they, they and I was like, wow, I get this guy is like an account guy. He should be sitting in my seat. And I knew you would one day and you did uh, over a Turner. So, you know, when you know you've got some good people and players on your team, it just makes it so much easier uh, 
to move the ball forward. Tell me a little bit more about your past before you got to Versus. So looking at your your LinkedIn, you know, your IMDB, as they would say, you have a, a pretty great background. I mean, you, you did stints at, at the NFL and at, at Fox Sports. And, and I know that, you know, you had some journeys through the country before you landed at Versus. So tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah, it, you know, it's kind of interesting that you and I sort of crisscrossed uh, across the country, you know, east, west, uh, you went south. <clears throat> but yeah, I I kind of fell into sports, which is you know everybody's dream job. And um, not to say I don't love sports, but I I thought I'd be a lawyer. And my my father quickly put me in front of three or four of his friends who are like out of central casting, where these guys you know you've seen them where it's like balding and they're they're like twenty two, yeah, and, and uh, you know have a huge stack of papers that literally fell, I think one of them fell over when I was in in the informational interview, and they were all like, "Why do you want to do this?" And then I said, "Why do I want to do this?" And uh, so I went to go get an internship, and it was late in college, and there was this guy who was just starting an ad agency, and I've gone like you, agency client, agency client. Uh, and, and his first client was home team sports. Uh, and it was the early days when home team sports was, it was the first time regional sports networks were going 24 seven. Yeah. They were like school closings in snow days during the, during the day. And then, the, you know, then you'd have the Orioles and dare I say bullets games on. Um, so I, you know, from there I, I, you know, went, uh, went home, went back to New York and, you know, just an odd thing. My father is, was team dentist of the New York Knicks, uh, since Red Holzman brought him on, you know, decades before. Uh, and um, so he got me a job selling season tickets to the Knicks and Rangers. And kind of like, I'll say the rest is sort of history, but I just kept saying, if I'm not, you know, I thought I'd go back to school, but if I get to here, then I'll do that. I wanted to work on the Olympics. I went to this agency that was named ISIS, which today would be an unfortunate name, but then yeah. International Sports and Entertainment Strategies, it made sense. Uh, was there for about a year and a half. And I said, you know what? I, I want to work for a league. Within a few months, I had a job at the the NFL. What were you doing at the NFL? So I, I was like the the commissioner of the, the league's flag football uh, program. It was called NFL Air It Out, which doesn't exist anymore. We find that happens often in our career. You build something so well that you put it out of business. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I was, I was, it was, you know, basically fan development and another way for, you know, sponsors like Nike and, and at the time Budweiser and Sprint again, dare I say, um, to have, uh, programs where they can reach it, you know, uh, the core audience. So, uh, and worked for, for great guys, David Newman, who's, who's now at the Mets and then, and Don Garber, who's now MLS, uh, commissioner, so it was, it was just a, a unbelievable time and, and great learning. And then I had the call for television kind of like you. And, and I remember going into how hard it was to go into David's office actually caught me one day going to interview. And that was a, a little uncomfortable, but, uh, uh, ultimately Fox sports was building, uh, Fox sports net and the, the regional sports network business and, and got the opportunity to go there and, and, and get in the TV biz. Were you on the marketing side or sales side? What were you doing in Fox? So uh, <clears throat> all marketing, um, I actually, uh, it's kind of a funny story. My wife and I also personally just felt like we needed to get out of New York before we had kids. And we put a map up on the wall and decided that we wanted to be executive ski bums and pick Denver. So started interviewing at the Broncos and, I, I, uh, and, and uh, Ascent Media at the time, the Avs. Um, 
And I just happened to be out there for business and saw that they were interviewing for a uh, director of marketing for Fox Sports Net Rocky Mountain. And the guy was in interviewing, this guy named Kurt Schneider was in from corporate. And I met him at the airport as, as we were both taking off and um, got back. And he said, you know, I really like you, but I promised this job to someone else. So the next one's yours. I was like, yeah, I'm never going to hear from this guy again. Exactly. But, you know, this word says you never count anything out. You never know. And sure enough, three months later, he calls me. He's like, I got it. And I said, well, where am I going? Where are we going? And he said, top 10 market. And I'm like, great. That, what's what's, number 10? what's number 10? He goes, Detroit. And I'm like, no fucking way, dude. I literally said, you know, my 20s, you know, trying to be all professional just came out I'm like, no fucking way, dude. There's no so way. This is, this is what, Detroit in the late 90s, I'm assuming? This is Detroit, late 90s. And, but, you know, We'll talk about sometimes you get a little bit of, uh, you put yourself in front, you know, you got to jump in front of that fate bus every once in a while to get hit by it. Sure. Um, and so he, he said, listen, we're, you know, we had trouble launching it. Um, we need to get someone in there. And I'm like, great, you're, you're going to make me Jimmy Hoffa. I'm going to be like, you know, somewhere under, you know, <laughs> in, in one of the great lakes, uh, with cement boots. But, um, he said, listen, you know, if you go in there, you kick ass, we're growing. It's the, these are early days and the next job at corporate will be yours. I said, yeah, as you would think, I said, how do I know I can trust you? You know, you're just sending me to Siberia. He said, this is like the, some of the best advice I've ever gotten. He goes, dude, you're not betting on me. You're betting on you. Wow. And I was just like, you know, like, yeah, head, head explodes. And, uh, uh, so I, I went home and convinced my wife somehow that this was going to be a good idea. And, you know, it was fantastic. I mean, they opened and closed two ballparks. Well, we Comerica uh, opened. We closed Tiger Stadium. I got to see the last few games in, in Tiger Stadium. Uh, and the Red Wings won back-to-back Stanley Cups in the 15-month window I was there. I mean, you can't ask for any better timing in that regard. And uh, sure enough, 15 months later, we're packing up the, the, the Jeep and heading out west, which is something I think you did, too. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny, your story is sort of similar. After I left you in New York, um, I went over to PhD and I ran the HBO business for just over a year, a year and four months, something like that. Did a lot of fun work, um, really had a blast. I sort of kind of made the most of the opportunity, but that's when I got the call from uh, Turner. And it was weird. I, I remember getting a call. You might you might even know Jorg Ziegler. He's a pretty well-known... Yeah, you're not. You're not. And you, everybody He's knows at NBC now. Yeah, he's at me. Exactly. So he called me. He was at Warner, Warner at the time, Tom Warner. So he called me and he's like, I got this great job at Turner and I had wanted to get client side. It certainly was on my mind. I wasn't necessarily interviewing at this point. Didn't really have the time for it. But he gave me this pitch about Turner and I, I knew some people at Turner. I, I'd always heard really good things about it. But um, so I'm here. I'm, I'm sort of intrigued. And he's got me for like 15 minutes on the phone. And then at the end is when he drops the not Detroit, but he... Uh, he dropped the the Atlanta bomb on me, and you know I was living in New York City at the time. Loved living in New York at the time, and and Atlanta was not something I'd even remotely thought about. I wasn't necessarily like I didn't say no fucking way like you did, but certainly uh, it wasn't what I was feeling. So I remember I, I came home that night. I told my wife, my then wife at the time, um, you know how my day was, and told her about the call. And, and her first thing was, I don't want to go to Atlanta, and I'm like, well, I don't either. But uh, just letting you know. And then like, I remember two hours later, we're watching TV and she turned to me and she said something like, should we be thinking about this? I'm like, probably. 
This is uh, this is like the kind of opportunity that doesn't come along every single day. We probably should explore this. And you know, a month later, I am uh, leaving New York City and, and uh, doing the big the big move to Turner, which you know was a great run. So yeah, I, I, talk to me a little bit about um, you've moved around a little bit as have I. And what's that like for you? Like, what's that like to to, to go to a city for a couple of years, especially with the family, and pick up and go? And and that's a lot of pressure. You know, it must be hard, not easy to do. It's great for the career, right? Yeah, you have to keep moving. I think we see that more now than ever. Um, there are very few company guys left that spend their whole career at one place. You really got to, you know, even back then it was like, you got to leave to come back. Even if you want to be somewhere, you yep. got to up your game because that, that, that trajectory. So I always knew that that would be the case. And I'm, I'm also like, I'll call it a, you know, a corp, a career ADD person where like every four years, it seems like I need to spill out the can and, and start putting the pieces back in. But it is incredibly hard. You know, your, your first move to Detroit was just me and my wife, and that was an easier and a dog, uh, uh, which I know you're a dog lover. Of course. So, you know, that's easier. Then we moved to LA and had our daughter and it starts becoming exponentially harder. We actually moved back to New York, ironically, one year to the day from, from 9-11, Wow. Um, which is very kind of surreal, but, um, you know, got to start over and we moved to Larchmont, New York. And then we were there for a few years. Uh, I was working at SS and K and agency and then, and then got the call for, for, uh, for, uh, versus. And that was also happened to be in Stanford. So it was like, you know, it really didn't change commute, but they had said at the beginning, you know, look in a couple of years, they're building this, you know, huge tower that they're going to want to fill in Philadelphia there's a good chance. And if ever in your career you hear, there's a good chance that dot, 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 chances are really going to happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> two, two years to the day, the call to Philly, which was fantastic. I mean, I loved it down there and I would have never left. And, and a lot of great things started happening personally, professionally. And then, you know, Comcast had to go off and acquire NBC universal for God's that, sake. That little, that little company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I guess they were, they had FOMO from the whole, Disney episode, you know, how many ever years prior. So, you know, then, then it was, uh, you know, it was the call back up North, although it was that, that personally from a, that was probably the one time in my career where I was like, okay, is this going to happen? Because NBC is obviously the more mature content business. I mean, Comcast did a great job with, you know, versus E golf, style G4 at the time. And, um, so we knew that basically we were going to get, you know, the, they were going to swallow the elephant, so to speak. Um, but I also knew that, you know, NBC sports had like a four person promo department and I had about 40, 45 people under wow. me, you know, with a 24 seven, you know, three sixty five cable network. So, you know, it wouldn't have been as easy, but literally like day one of the merger, which was 2012, uh, I'd say within three months, I was the last senior executive from, from, uh, versus that was still standing. So, you know, that was a, that was a very tumultuous time. And then again, have to pick up and move my family when everything is going great, uh, up to New York. So yeah, it's difficult. I mean, you've, you've obviously moved a bunch, so yep. y you can appreciate how tough it is to, to just pick up and relocate. 
Yeah, I mean, from a consumer perspective, I remember when that happened, and I remember the you know the branding sort of changed, and it was the NHL on NBC, and I'm sure that all happened obviously under your under your watch. But talk a little bit more about that migration from you know from your your at versus, and and all of a sudden Comcast acquires NBCU, and and then all of a sudden you're ingested into that company, and and then how did it become NBC Sports Network? Talk to us a little bit more about that that journey. Well, you know, it, it, it was interesting, and you know. Uh, I will say it, it was a tough turn, I think. And in fairness, the, the NBC guys were like, you know, thought we all drove to work in horse and buggy and made funnel cakes, you know. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think there were a, a bunch of really talented. There, I know there were a hand, a really, really talent, talented marketing professionals, uh, uh, you know, producers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, it, you know, it took a lot. Uh, you know, it took a lot of convincing and, you know, I started this, the sale, I'd say about six, eight months before we were in a quiet period, but I, I just started, you know, trying to make as many friends and, and Dick Ebersol, you know, I had a, was a wild meeting once we're sitting around with like 20 people and we had to go through all of our business. It was just me and my direct reports at the time, a guy named Ryan Donovan, uh, and Trip Dixon, um, and go through how we approached marketing and we were the last up and they had to make a train. And so I was kind of fortuitous in that regard, but I remember diving into it and Dick Ebersole cut me off and he goes, I've seen your work. I know your work. Your work is great. Let me ask you one question. And I said, yes. He goes, where do you think you do the best storytelling? And I thought it was a really poignant question because that's really what NBC sports is all about, right? The yep. story. And, uh, and I just said, you know, the tour de France is really something special that we have here where we tell a very unique story to uh, a really passionate audience. And he goes, I totally agree. Thank you very much. And they all like stood up and ran for the train. And I kind of like knew at that moment that, that I, I probably was going to make that turn, but it was, it was, you know, it wasn't a guarantee. Sort of felt like it was the right answer is what he wanted to hear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all you could do is tell the truth and what you feel and not try to prognosticate. I find that every time I try to prognosticate what people want to hear, I'm usually wrong. Now, is this right around the time where, um, Premier League came into play with you guys at, at Sportsnet? So, yeah, so that, that was right at the turn. So, you know, we're migrating the sports that we do have. Some of them are, you know, we're, we're, we had MLS at the time we'd UFC. Um, I don't know that NBC really had the, the stomach for, for cage fighting and, um, so, you know, they were looking to acquire some new properties and next thing we know, we get premier league and it's funny cause I work with a, a dear friend, Guy Barnett, and who's been my agency after taxi at, at versus when we went out of house and a Brit who's lived in, in the U S for most of his life. And, and again, as much a friend as, as a business partner said, if you guys ever get the premier league, you have got to let me do it has nothing to do with money. And sure enough, here we are, we get it. It's like the, I've like burned every bit of capital I have to get in the building at 30 rock. And now I got to, you know, I got to have a new, I have a new boss with uh, John Miller, who basically is a guy who invented Mussy TV and there are books written about him. So now I got to, I got to like prove myself to him and say, Hey, I got some plans for, for premier league where I think we could do something interesting. And, make a really big cultural statement that was not necessarily how NBC did things previously. So I had a sell job ahead of me. 
So that cultural statement, one of the ideas is the creation of Ted Lasso. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and dive into that because I cannot wait to talk about that. This episode of Back by Popular Demand is sponsored by our good friends at The Waffle Company, the first ever get and give pet bed company in the world, which means for every bed sold, they donate a bed to a shelter dog in need. So listen, I have to admit something. I enjoy watching my dog sleep. Seriously. And I have a feeling I'm not alone in this. You know you do this too. Watching my two pups slumber away provides me great joy, especially during a stressful workday. It's even better when you have boxers because they're known to snore. Not an annoying honker like your drunk uncle on Thanksgiving, but just a perfect little snore that lets you know that they are feeling safe and cozy. I'd like to think their waffle beds have something to do with that. Whether I'm watching my Cowboys, hopefully win a football game, or catching up on the latest episode of Ted Lasso, my two girls are always close by, snoozing away on their waffle beds. Sometimes I'll take a picture of one of them and send it to my friend Lauren, the founder and CEO of The Waffle Company. I like to think she appreciates seeing real-time consumer engagement. Waffle beds are made with organic cotton canvas and filled with pure K-pop cotton, which is lightweight, hypoallergenic, and eco-friendly. And the beds come with two washable exterior layers that are very easy to reassemble once clean. We all love our dogs, and if you want to watch them sleep like I do, get them a waffle. By doing so, you're ensuring a shelter dog can sleep better at night, which should make you sleep better at night. But nobody wants to see a picture of you sleeping, so don't send that to Lauren. Order them at waffleco.com, just like the breakfast waffle, but with an O. As a thank you for being a loyal listener to this little podcast, use the promo code Dennis20 to receive a 20% discount off your purchase. The Waffle Company is based in Columbus, Ohio, and all of its products are made with great care right here in the USA. Okay. So let's get back to the show. Hopefully you're not sleeping. All right, Bill. So Premier League is now under your watch at NBC Sports Network. Um, Ted Lasso, unless you're, I guess, living under a rock or in a cave, is having a bit of a moment. It just won the Emmy for Best Comedy Series. Jason Sudeikis just won. And it seemed like the entire cast just won awards. And um, not everybody knows that uh, Ted Lasso was actually based on a marketing idea, um, which I think was born and created in 2012, 2013, right around this time that you and I were discussing, um, which when I tell people, they, they sort of look at me like, is that, is that true? I'm like, it, it absolutely is true. Uh, it was, he's been around way before this show on Apple TV. So talk to us a little bit more about how he came to be. Yeah, this is, uh, this is one of those interesting you know, moments in time. Again, I you know, got together with uh, my buddy Guy and started putting a camp t- campaign together. And, um, you know, it wasn't just about, you know, it's never just one thing we wanted. We knew we wanted to make a statement. We knew we had a heavy lift to do to try to make soccer relevant. We never said, we're going to just try to make, you know, we're going to increase the ratings on premier league. We said, we think we can actually do something really important here. We can grow the game and we can actually make soccer relevant in, in a, in a more meaningful way. Uh, with the platform that we have and the product we have, it's best league and in, in, in the world, arguably. Of course. Yep. Um, so, um, and at the time Downton Abbey was, was hot and sort of British culture was, was permeating pop culture in general. So we knew we could tap into something there. Um, so, you know, like we were taking over bars. We, we, um, uh, you know, sent around old, British cabs around the city and offered fans rides to go watch games. That was, you know, all when we started getting into it. 
Um, but we knew we had to build credibility. One thing we did was we actually put a billboard in Times Square of Gareth Bale, Tottenham, uh, doing the Jesus pose uh, over Times Square. And it was funny because there were rumors that he was he was going to get transferred to um, you know uh, to Real Madrid, and uh, I had to call uh, the Tottenham and say, "Hey, you know, if if he's going, I can't put this billboard up." And the last thing they wanted to give up was a billboard in Times Square. Now, I don't know if he ever really had an impact on his transfer date, or, but they said, we promise you that we will not transfer Gareth Bale until that board is down, essentially. <laughs> Whenever the flight ends, as they say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reverse engineering it. I mean, they just guaranteed me that he wasn't going to be transferred during, during that flight. Yep. Uh, and you know, it was really cool is all of a sudden, you know, all the, all the, you know, Reddit and all the boards are lighting up that we have like inside scoop on what's going on. And, all, you know, so that kind of gave us some cred in the space, but really the bigger challenge was, you know, we, we had to kind of make it cool to watch soccer and make it okay that you don't understand the game because I don't think America really kind of got it. Um, you needed well, to make it more like make it more accessible, I assume. Yeah, what what are the rules? How how do I watch this? Why do I, I know I got a friend who throws on a, a crazy jersey and goes and gets shit canned at seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, yeah. and then you know yeah. we don't see him until Sunday. You know, football, uh, the other football, um, but you know, so we figured we we had to take the piss out of the whole thing. And you're sitting at NBC, you know, you look at uh, at Saturday Night Live, you look at all the digital shorts, and I, you know, I've always had a love for for infusing both music and comedy and everything that, that I do. Um, and, and, uh, so we decided that we were going to make a digital short and we're going to do a little bit of a fish out of water to try to teach people the game, make it approachable, have some fun. And, you know, the, the irony is that Jason was absolutely the right choice through and through, but he wasn't the first one. Yeah. Give me, you've mentioned this list to me before. This list is going to blow people's minds. So run down the others. And and I, I think when you hear the trajectory of, you know, our, our outreach, you know, I think it was clear that it was, this thing was destined to be successful. Um, so first we went to John Oliver, who at the time is, uh, you know, a comedy central and, and John yep. Stewart show. And, and we think he's perfect. We're going to do the fish out of water, put this out, you know, fish out of water Brit in, in America, trying to figure out soccer and help people figure out soccer. And he just, his people say, you know what? He, he would kill to do this. He, he wished it was different timing, but he has something big coming up. We can't tell you what it is. So on and so forth. So we're like, sure enough, you know, literally like two days later, they announced his later last, last night today uh, on HBO. HBO. Damn. So then we're like, all right, well, let's look in-house. We went to Seth Meyers, a huge West Ham fan. Most people don't know that. He's pretty funny. Now we're shifting to an American trying to, you know, uh, sell soccer. And his people go, same thing. Love to do this, but he can't. And he has something big coming up and he can't tell you what it is. Sure enough, late night with Seth Meyers. So, you know, we're like, you know, who else can we go to to help build their careers, for God's sakes? Yeah. Literally, the next one was Chris Pratt. And I, for the life of me, I, I think he's a fan, but I, I can't remember why we went to him, but he's hilarious and he was in-house. Same story. 
love to do it, can't do it, have something big, Jurassic. <laughs> but now, remember, we're on a shot clock here because whenever you get the rights in the seasons, it's, it's, there's never a lot of time to operate. Yeah, you got to move. got to move so quick. Windows closing. Go to Ricky Gervais. No. What are we going to do? And uh, we had a talent wrangler. His name is Julie Mulholland, who's fantastic. I mean, because she was getting in with all these great names. She just kind of goes, what about Jason Sudeikis? You know, he's coming off SNL and it doesn't seem like he has a lot lined up at the moment. Maybe he's free and can do this. So we approach him and we, we, we actually, Guy found an old skit of him doing sort of a, a, a Midwestern, you know, he's from Kansas. So, yep. you know, kind of a, a Midwestern, from called Kansas Midwest, uh, coach, and kind of a bumbling coach. And was, the, the skit was with Steve Buscemi, if you want to go look it up. It's pretty funny. And um, so we kind of modeled a little bit of a skit after that. Now the fish out of water is an American coach going to London to coach uh, a, a Premier League team. Unwittingly, they hired the wrong guy. Yep. So the premise was was spot on. We went to him. He, he took a look at it. And, and next thing we know, he agrees and guys in with the writer's room, Joe Kelly and Brendan Hunt, who is Coach Beard, as you all know him now, was was that there. And they're all and, they're all the showrunners now on the show on the series now. Right. I believe. Yeah. They're all, yeah. Uh, uh, Joe, I mean, uh, Brendan's on the show as yep. the assistant coach and Joe's Joe's writing. And and um, so we we dive into this whole thing. And within a couple of weeks, we get Tottenham lined up. Uh, which that was a story in and of itself to try to make happen. Um, but, you know, two weeks later, we're, we're in London shooting. And another week after, you know, in post, we throw this thing up on YouTube at, I'd say, 1.30 in the morning. I passed out. I woke up at probably about 6 o'clock and ran on my computer. And it was was well over a million hits in the few hours that I, I got some shut-eye. And, and the rest is kind of history from there. How, did you anticipate? I mean, you must have known you had something pretty, pretty amazing. It's, it's a, that. I mean, I encourage anybody that hasn't seen this piece. It's it's amazing and it's hysterical. And you know, the genesis of the show is definitely there. But how did you? A, you must have known that already when you went to bed. But were you surprised by the reaction? Uh, it will both were on my LinkedIn page. If you'd like to go look at them, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I, it's kind of one of those things. Nothing surprises me because things that I thought would kill it sometimes doesn't and other things you never know where it's going to hit. Yeah. Um, this is one of those lightning in a bottle moment and it, it, it happened so fast. I don't know that we had time to think about it. So it was just so much that went into the logistics of trying to pull it together, shooting it, which was a blast by the way, uh, and putting it together and getting it up online. And remember this is 2012, 2013. You know, the internet wasn't the internet and social media wasn't, what it is today, yeah, certainly. So we we didn't put a nickel behind it. It was completely organic. We didn't. We had no idea what it was going to do, but we knew we had something great. Of course. How did the uh, your partners at Premier League uh, feel about that piece? Were they? Uh, I mean, you're obviously making fun of football pretty hard and English culture in general. So, and that hopefully they had a, a good sense of humor about it. Yeah, I think I think you know, like the tell on these things is who finds it interesting, right? Where do where do the accolades come from and we actually, you know, I think it, it was probably more successful in in the UK than it was here because we nailed it so perfectly, and you know they're, they're still pissed at America. So for <laughs> uh, so you know th- that never went away. So uh, they they love the fact that we're taking the piss out of ourselves and that we didn't understand football, but that we really kind of got the game. Yeah. Uh, so we bridged that. 
And uh, at the time, the, the folks at BBC, we heard back, the folks at BBC and Sky, they said they are so jealous of what you guys put together. I think to me, that was like one of the greatest, um, you know, the, the greatest compliments is when people who have been living this forever go, wow, the new guys got it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that league doesn't need any sort of promotion internationally. It's it's widely widely revered. But do you feel like you know when you guys did that piece, and and I know you know Ted Lasso came back the following year, or maybe I think it might have been two years later. You had told me maybe you took a year off and then he came back. But do you feel like it helped grow popularity of the sport here in the U.S.? And that's a lot of pressure to put on one five minute piece. So I highly doubt it did that much needle moving. But did it? Yeah, you know, I I will. This is not towing any line because uh, I'm not an NBC anymore. But I think I think it was the perfect alchemy. In the same way we talked earlier, is like you put the right people on the field, whether it's a marketing campaign, launching a network, a new product. So I'm the marketing guy. I'm not I'm not making them. You know, I wasn't making the sausage, so to speak. Um, and uh, just put all the right pieces. They I, I think the product ultimately delivered on the promise. But in rare cases, you know, usually the marketing precedes it, or in the case of something like Manifest, that's now a huge hit streaming, really didn't do that well on NBC because there's only so much marketing can do and, and, and find. This is one of those cases where marketing, I think, just there was just such a clear correlation. Remember, the attribution, as we know, is you're, you're back in the in the agency business. Everything now is you can has attribution within you know yep. an inch, or a nanometer, you know. Of of what its efficacy is. Back then, it was you know we're we're taking over bars, we're sending cars around. We did a Uber Eats English breakfast with people, you know. So game one match, excuse me, match one was three x what Fox and ESPN had done. Some of that was dis- sheer distribution, but people came in droves. People knew it was there, and so we we created that sampling moment, but. Pierre Musa and the the on air talent and the presentation of the game was so authentic and so spot on that it was just it just everything clicked everything so clicked. I remember you know it must have been just over a year ago, um, summer of twenty or spring of twenty twenty something like that. I'm, I'm trying to remember when Ted Lasso premiered on Apple, but it was probably around there. And I remember when I first started seeing marketing for that. Um, until then, I didn't even realize they were making a show based on this character. Um, but I was sort of taken back because I remember the character. I remember the pieces that you, you and your team built, and I, I thought that they were great. And I was like, wow, they're making a TV series about that guy. That's incredible. And I because I, you don't see marketing translate to TV a lot, so. It Fill me in on like th- those years after that. So I guess obviously the second piece that you guys created for Ted Lasso was probably 14, 15, somewhere around there. But like fill us in on what happened in terms of when did that finally become something that wanted to become a TV series? Was that under your watch at the time or? Yeah. You know, marketing guy trying to get into the development business. It was, um, I mean, to, to just go back when you, when you take a look and I've always considered, you know, all the, the comments in YouTube is probably the best focus group you could ever have, right? Yep. It's just first the haters are going to hate and they come out early and quick. And then, then you start getting the real story. This had very, had no haters. Number one, number two, I'd say every third comment is, uh, you know, this should be a show. Yep. And that was from the first season. Then uh, I'll say the first season, the, <laughs> the first mm-hmm. short. And then we, yeah. again, we did take a year off and then J- Jason's people approached us, but we were already talking about it. We said, Hell yeah. It was about the easiest sell internal sell I've ever had. We made the second follow-up and coming out of that, um, 
in talking with Jason's people, we just sort of got to, this should be a show. How do we do this? Now, selfishly, and I may say hindsight might be 2020 on this one, I thought this would be NBC Sports Network's coming out moment outside of live events that, you know, it needed a way. Studio shows can only, you're a commodity. News is a commodity. What can we do? Um, and I said, well, we could do entertainment, sports entertainment, television, no fun, pun intended, uh, with ESPN. But um, so we tr- I tried to get the show developed and I would say 90% of the way there got it greenlit. Uh, everybody saw the potential of it internally, had to work through the economics of it, which was a huge learning curve for me and worked with universal, uh, television people, both in, in, in LA and, and in the UK to try to navigate this, um, put it all together, got a greenlit had, I think it was 1030 at thir- on Thursday nights lined up and, all of a sudden BBC comes in and wants to to do a co-pro and underwrite the whole thing. We, we get Sharon Horgan, uh, who, who's the lead actress in a show called catastrophe, if you remember that. And, and, but she had a production company and, you know, she was hot at the time. And I actually went to London with Jason, and his friends it was actually just first and foremost, we saw three matches in three days in, in three different, uh, amazing venues. You drank a few pints as well, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting not to take this story down another tangent. We, I figure I'm taking these three Hollywood guys out to, to London and there's going to be, you know, sort of three routes that this is going to take. One is we're going to party like rock stars and it's going to be like nothing I've ever done before. Two is they're going to completely dust me, which would have been understandable. Yeah. And third is they're just really kind of fun, interesting, nerdy guys who just want to have a great time and play board games and hang around. Which one do you think it was? Uh, I'm going to go with the number three. There you go. So uh, it was just, it was a great weekend uh, just spending time getting to know those guys. We did take the meeting with Sharon Horgan, as I mentioned, and had this thing. It was a go. It was a go. And we just, all the pieces seemed to be there. And it just, the learning is how hard it is to put these shows together. So this is what 2014, maybe into 15. And, you know, for one reason or another, Jason had a lot going, he just had a kid and his personal life and a few other things. And the wheels just, just slowly and then quickly came off it. And I was still trying to put it back together, but I was transitioning now out of NBC sports down to Telemundo, uh, which got the the rights, Spanish language rights to the men's and women's world cup. And I now was the soccer guy. So I started consulting down there and then it, it made sense to go down permanently. So I had to hand the keys over and put Jason's people directly in touch with the people at universal television. And it got quiet for a few months. And then I think it was a general counsel at NBC sports. All of a sudden I get an email, which I'm, you know, forward, forward, forward. Hey, do you know anything about this? And I said, yeah, it's a show. Uh, they got it done. And by the way, you know, we own the IP. So it's, it was very advantageous for, for NBC and NBC sports. Um, sure. But ultimately, they brought on Bill Lawrence of Scrubs fame uh, to be the showrunner and Jason's crew and Jason, who are all, you know, I mean, the best of what they do is clear from the success that, that the show has had and put together, again, the right alchemy. You keep, 
keep coming back to that, the right people, you know, put the right team on the field and created what is Ted Lasso today. And to be honest, when we started and they want to, you know, talk about, do we put it on NBC sports network and Netflix, Apple, Apple plus TV didn't exist. Yeah. It wasn't even a thing yet at that point. I don't think, I don't think prime video was a thing yet. I mean, it was, it was, it was Netflix or nothing, you know, it's, it's just amazing. And they made that, uh, you know, that, that, and, and the morning show, they're, they're two, uh, big marketing pushes and, Again, the rest is history. So when you when you moved to Telemundo and you had to hand it off, did you did you feel like it probably wasn't likely for that series, or were you like when you got the call from legal, were you surprised or were you not surprised? And how did it feel? Like you must have felt like you. I mean, did you feel like you missed out on something? I mean, I hope you don't mind me asking because I, I have a certain feeling on that. If I were you, so I'm curious as to how you felt. N- no, it's it's sort of uh, it's it, it's it's mixed. Like. To, to have, first of all, take that Geico caveman to have an, you know, be somebody who produced an ad campaign that got turned into something else and is now producing could, could be as much revenue as the premier league rights are spilling off for NBC sports for the, for the company is, is amazing. Um, you know, I, I was always an employee of the company and, you know, got my thank you note in the mail every two weeks. So there was no expectation that I had any residual or ownership of it. I was happy, you know, I was, I was sad that it, I couldn't get it across the finish line. Uh, but I was happy that it did become something. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of proud Papa, of course, but I love to still be you know involved and attached to it. Uh, I'd be crazy and lying to you if I said no, of course. However, you know, it, it, it's such a moment of pride. And I mean, even like my daughter gets to tell her friends, yeah, my daddy made that, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's weird. Like I remember good friends of mine in Atlanta told me a year ago that I need to watch this series that they know me pretty well. They're like, you're going to really like it. And I was like, yeah, it was a hard year for me last year. So I wasn't really into watching a lot of stuff and I was just distracted. So I didn't watch it, but I, I knew about it and it was on my list, but I would, I would get to it. I was also of the mindset of, geez, I have enough, you know, streaming subscriptions. Do I need another one? Granted, Apple TV plus is, you know, 499. So it's it's not going to break the bank. But at the time, it just felt like a hassle, you know, so I didn't I didn't watch it. And everybody seemed like they started to talk about it. And then obviously, this past spring, going into the launch of season two, I started hearing that again. And and some of my family members had watched it like you really need to watch it. So I did I, I, I hold myself up on a Saturday, I watched the entire first season, I think I started it at four o'clock, poured myself some bourbon, and I think I finished it at like, you know, 1130 midnight, something like that. And, and I was in, I, I, you know, I thought it was very well done. It's, it's corny, but the right kind of corny. It's, it's got, you know, pathos and humanity and heart and all the things that I think people love about it. But like, are you too close to it or, you know, the history that you've had with it? Are you able to actually step back and a watch it or even just appreciate the journey that it's on? Or is it like, I got to be removed from it because I was there and I would completely understand if that's where you're at. Uh, Fun. You should ask. Uh, I've watched the trailer (laughs) Uh, and the trailer was very true to the original sort of concept. And, and to be perfectly honest, the original character perfect for a four minute video was great for what it was. You know, it, that, that wouldn't carry a show, not saying that that would have ultimately been what, what was produced back, back when, but, you know, again, it's like sometimes timing, time, place. And as marketers, we know, you know, what's happening out in the world is so critical for the success of a product or content. And I, I think the world needed a little bit of a Ted Lasso in their life right now. 
yeah. over the last couple of years, you know, so a little more hopeful with, with everything going on in the world. Um, you know, it was the right place, right time, right team and, and thrilled. I, I'm just waiting at some point, I'm just going to lock myself in a room probably with a, you know, like you with a bottle of bourbon and I'll just rifle through the entire thing. And, uh, but it, it's right now, it's just holding such a special place in my heart that I, I, I was almost concerned that it, it would take something away from yep. the, the myth of, uh, and the story, but it's a great show from everything I hear. And yep. I can't, I can't wait to watch it. I'm just writing, waiting for that right internal moment to, to jump in. Well, listen, text me when you do and, and we can discuss it. And I would love your thoughts about it so we can uh, break it down. I, I will say, you know, season, I think season two probably wraps next week. I would imagine it's, it seems like it's getting close to the end, but I, I feel like my, my concern about that show is I don't think season two is as good. And it's not to say that it's not good. It is. Um, it's very good. It's just, I, I think there was something really unique and special about the first season, but I feel like that show with all the success that it's getting in the awards, there's obviously going to be that, that, that pressure that's going to be placed on it to keep it going is Apple knows what they've got and they're going to want to milk that as long as they can. And I sort of feel like a series like this has a short shelf life and that's just my opinion. So I'll be really curious to see how long this show lasts before it sort of loses that thing that made it what it became, you know, I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> please no, please do. But listen, like that must be a, a, kind of a high watermark for your career to, to, to spearhead, you know, a marketing tactic on, on that was just one part of a much bigger campaign for premier league and to see it become what it, what it is, is this just doesn't ever happen. So, but there must be other highlights in your career, other successes in your career that you're pretty proud of. Are there others that come to mind besides the Ted Lasso? No, that was it. That was it. That's all you've That's done. All I have. One trick pony. <laughs> uh, you know, I, there, there, there's so many, there are a lot of, lot of little victories. And, you know, I, I was very fortunate that, uh, you know, where I landed at the time that I landed at certain places, whether it was Detroit and back-to-back Stanley Cups, you, you know, you, you can't write that script. You can't prognosticate that. When I got to Fox Sports, um, I, and again, I fell in love with advertising. That, that, that to me was like, now I'm going to really focus in on, on, on advertising and the creative process and the strategic process Ultimately, I went to SSNK because I just was so enamored with it. I felt like I needed to go to an agency to learn it. But I landed at, at Fox Sports when all the guys from ESPN who created this sports center at Wyden Kennedy and the client side were at Fox Sports. And you know, first campaign I ever produced, or really, I'll say executive produced, because I was you know the head of marketing for for Fox Sports Net was the regional sports report. And we're working with Cliff Freeman and partners. Now for anyone who's in the ad business, Cliff Freeman is, you know, pizza, pizza, where's the beef? Yeah. Cliff. Uh, unfortunately, I think he passed away in the last week or so. Um, and, and it's a big loss to that industry and to a lot of people. But um, I just stepped into a world with the, the most talented and creative and strategic minds in, in advertising. And the first campaign I ever worked on, and I will not take full credit in any way, shape or form for this won the grand pre-award at Ken, uh, creative festival. So, uh, you know, kind of the right, the right, it was downhill from there. No, yep. but you know, then it was a matter of proving it for myself. And I think that the, the, there have been a few things. One is I've been marketing the NHL since, um, 20 something years old and take great pride in having built that sport and ultimately at, at versus and then NBC sports to be able to, you know, see the growth 
that 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 sport has gone through and know that I have, you know, and I've been told by people there that have made a, a great impact, which is very humbling. Um, the Premier League, we brought, you know, UFC and Indy Racing League kind of back to some glory. F1 helped build it here in the United States. There's a lot of little victories along the way. I think some of the the, the, the greater ones uh, are, are, are sort of personal, professional, where, you know, working with people, building teams, the team we had at Versus, including Horizon and external partners, getting the right people around the table and nurturing that creativity and, you know, uh, intellectual and creative curiosity to do great work and to do great things was just a consistent. And I think one of the proudest moments, you know, or some of the production guys, which if you know, production guys typically don't like the marketing guys, uh, said, you know, Bill, you, you, you brought glory back to sport, uh, you know, the promotion and, you know, that, that really meant a lot to me. So, um, and then, you know, for me, Going and then pivoting and going to market football instead of football or football. Now it's football um, to you know Hispanic audience. Um, it, you know, for me and I am I am not Hispanic. I'm not Latino. Um, was the, the most incredible learning curve and the passion. And, you know, really, again, every four years needed to spill something, you know, spill everything out on the, the counter and, and put it back in and put myself in, in difficult situations was, was just, a, I think, a huge victory. And it did really, really well and helped cement Telemundo against Univision, who was their, eight, you know, that's the 800-pound gorilla, certainly when it comes to sports. So, um, you know, there have been, been a lot of victories, but, I, I mean, Premier League is, you know, those are, those are once-in-a-lifetime moments. But I, I would agree with you about the people. And I think you and I have talked a little bit about this previously that, you know, all the campaigns are great. I've worked on a bunch of different campaigns and, you know, some come to mind more than others. I would say launching Conan at Turner was was an amazing experience because it happened right after I got there in March Madness, which happened shortly around the same time frame. And, you know, more recently, Free Solo, which was, you know, a, a wonderful year and a half of my life to be able to be a part of a project that, that was that that powerful. But to what you said earlier, um, working with people and having the 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 opportunity to assemble teams and hire people and and help people mold their careers and you know you, you referenced the the Konigsberg episode that I I recently published and you know it's funny how many people from Horizon reached out to me over the last couple of weeks since I published that one just people that I haven't even heard from or or talked to in ages and just sent me a note on LinkedIn or whatever just saying how much they not only enjoy the episode, but certainly just remember the time of being together. And those are the moments for me that when all this is done, uh, I think that'll be the, uh, the stuff that I probably cling to more than anything else. You know, the campaigns are great, but it's always about the people and feeling like you made a difference in people's careers is the stuff that I take with me uh, to this day. And uh, I hope I continue to do that. But you referenced, I want to, I want to come full circle. So you referenced the NHL. And, you know, which was the first thing that you and I worked on together, ironically enough. And I remember how complicated those campaigns were because I had never done sports before. I was working on History Channel at the time. And and uh, all of a sudden we're working on like the playoffs and you've got these these teams that are playing each other in a bunch of markets. And one team is going to win and one's going to advance and one's going to lose. And the media campaign that we built had to like be designed that way that you needed to understand where the money was going to go next. You had to follow the, the matchups to really essentially figure out what you were going to do, do in the semifinals and the conference finals and so forth. Yet 
now I, I, I'm new at Essence. I started at Essence five months ago, a little over five months ago, and I'm working on NBC Universal and, and they have hockey. So NBC Sports is part of what I'm working on. And then a month after I start the job is when they announced that the NHL uh, TV rights have been renewed and they're being picked up with ESPN at, at Disney. And they're also being picked up at, at Turner, um, at, at Turner Sports um, and or at Warner Media, I should say. So NBC ended up not getting to, to renew any, any of the packages. And I was selfishly super bummed. I was like, wow, like. Not only that's, that's not why I took the job, obviously, but it would have been a nice. I was say, did, was a little bait and switch, or yeah, not really. I mean, I, I had a feeling that hockey probably wasn't their biggest, uh, you know, priority, and they have the Olympics coming up, and they obviously have Sunday night football. But, um, but I'm a big Caps guy, and and to what you said earlier, the work that you did at at NBC Sports working on the NHL, like I, I as a fan, as a viewer. Um, I find it like interchangeable, like NBC sports and the NHL is they're like together. And I felt like the work was done. The marketing was amazing. The production values of the games were amazing. And I just feel like you all took that league to the next level. And, and again, I know a lot of this happened when the caps went on their run, you know, over the last, you know, 10 years and, you know, Ovechkin got there and all that sort of stuff. So I, what are your thoughts of the, of the fact that the NHL has left NBC and now it's over at two competitors? It's a very long question that I just asked you, but I got to it. Oh, there was a question in there? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, I, you know, all good things must come to an end. And sometimes you, you, especially in sports, you know, with Premier League, you know, we were the first ever to get a six-year solid deal because they realized how important the relationship was for the territory to grow and we were growing their business exponentially. I think hockey is, is kind of in a mature state. I think NBC and certainly versus I'd like to believe, uh, and Fox sports net, even before that played a huge hand in helping build, uh, this, the sport, but you know, again, all things, good things must come to an end. And I think it ran its course a little bit and yeah. somebody else, in the streaming wars was probably going to be willing to pay a little bit more money than, than made sense for NBC. The other piece is the streaming wars, ironically, premier league is turning out to be a, a pretty, pretty solid driver for Peacock. Yep. So I, I think, you know, choices have to be made and that's the reality of business. And I'm again, I'm not surprised at all um, that they would let it go. Listen, maybe it was meant to be because uh, right before I think the package, um, or they they lost the package to the competitors, um, is when Doc Emmerich uh, had stepped down and, and retired. He wasn't going to be calling any more NHL games, and I, I think I've told you this before, but Doc Emmerich is without a doubt my absolute favorite sports broadcaster. There's no, nobody even remotely close as a number two for me. Um, it's Doc, I, the way he calls hockey and just how he carries himself professionally. There's nobody else like him. So please tell me you've met him. And please tell me uh, that he is a good dude. I, I can't imagine that he's not because he just seems like the nicest guy ever. Do you want me to lie to you and tell you he's a he's not a nice guy? I would be very disappointed if you did. Uh, he he is. I mean, uh, as advertised, he is a gentleman. And I remember going to the sports Emmys, and I, I think it was like the. 19th consecutive year he won sportscaster of the year because he is just so unique in, in what he does uh and it's such a great storyteller which very apropos for nbc sports and i remember after the sports emmys we're sitting at a table there's always like in you know 
if you've been to the Columbus Circle where that little mall is, there's a couple of restaurants in there and NBC every year takes over a restaurant where we meet afterwards and 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 celebrate. And I got the good fortune of sitting at a table with Doc and there he is with Emmy on the table right in, in front. Um, and, and he proceeded to just go on and, and tell story after story, some personal some professional being out on the road, calling games and different things. And always that guy also, we talk about lessons learned. He was just always, he always felt like he took something away, whether he intended to or not. And often he did intend to. So I just remember sitting there and I don't think I said two words in, in the course of probably 45 minutes of just sitting there completely mesmerized. And, and, you know, it's those moments where uh, look, you and I being a Turner and, and working with the, NBC now and the, the entertainment industry and the things we do, I think we take for granted a little bit sometimes what we have. And those are, that was just one of those moments where I just was like completely, you know, jaw on the ground, didn't know what to say, just completely odd. And I didn't think I would be, you know, it's, there, yeah. there, it was just, it was just a really kind of special moment. The other thing I found out too, is that a pint glass fits perfectly in the wings of the uh, muse on, on an Emmy. If really curious. I did not know that. That's great. That's great trivia. I'm going to, I'm going to take that with me. I won't tell you why I know that. Well, no, that, that, that story can't be shared. That's some stuff has to be private. Listen, it's Sunday night. I know Brady and the bucks are playing Belichick right now. And you probably want to watch a little bit of that. So I'm going to let you go, but real quickly, um, you know, your career at NBC universal ended not long ago. And what are you doing now? What, what's, what do you, what are you focused on these days professionally? What's keeping you busy? I had always said, and specifically after, you know, Telemundo, when I went down there, I said, you know, my daughter was, it was all timing out where contract was ending. Daughter was graduating high school. This little thing called a pandemic seemed to rear its ugly head. And again, living in Miami, I had my lease ending, everything was, and I said, you know, I really want to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. I always felt like, even though I worked for big companies, like the names, NFL, Fox, Comcast, uh, NBC Sports, I always felt like Again, the little big guy. I always felt like uh, I was entrepreneurial and launching something new, and just always took that. And I just felt like uh, it's not like I've done everything I wanted to accomplish in my career. That's not the case at all. But I felt like I, I in that realm, I sort of hit stride, and it was time for a break, and wanted to really kind of fire up more more the entrepreneurial spirit. And the world has changed. And Dennis, I mean, you probably can. <laughs> well, people better than I ever could what, you know, what the, the, the world of data is now and marketing is very different. I was a brand guy, yeah. and a, you know, creative led, um, although, you know, try to lead with strategy, but I always kind of held the theory that if, if, you know, if we use data for everything, we would lose the emotion. Matter of fact, yeah. I've said, if we use data to pick our, our future husbands and wives, we'd end up marrying for money. So, yep. Yep. you know, it, it, it just felt like a, a good time to, to take a break and go in a different, different lane and, and learn new tricks. And, and I've delved into the FinTech world and currently working with a, a couple of, couple of startups. One is also trying to make a difference in the world is a, a, an app that we're trying to make charitable giving easier uh, for everybody, meaningful giving easier 
So like right now, basically it's totally fragmented. You go to the supermarket and they ask you for two bucks and you know, it's like, like donation shaming and you, you end up probably giving it and never knowing how, why, where, or if it was even used appropriately. I feel so like I always need solve to, that. And I always need to say yes, whenever that happens at the supermarket. So I, I, I definitely feel shamed. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was one of those where there's a white space and, and, and high school buddy of mine who had a stroke when he was, you know, four to about 12 years ago, um, you know, just sort of saw this opportunity and I'm helping him. And we just got into Florida Atlantic university's uh, basically accelerator program, tech runway and have all this backing now for the next year to try to launch this business. You know, it's just, it's just amazing. And then separately I've invested in, and now, sort of acting CMO for uh, a micro real estate investing app called happy nest. If you go to myhappiness.com, and basically you can buy shares of, of uh, commercial real estate funds for, for as little as $10. And again, trying to democ- democratize real estate investing for, you know, everyday people, real people, real estate yep. for real people. And that's an exciting one. It's available in Apple and Google play stores. So, uh, it, it's really just, just sort of rubber is hitting the road and, and it's taking off and learning a ton of new tricks and having a blast. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I would feel the same, uh, going back to the agency side, which I haven't been on in, in quite some time. I'm learning a lot. Um, as you said, much has changed. Um, the, 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 the focus on data is unlike anything I've ever seen before in my career. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it's like everyone says data driven, data driven, data driven and, and, the fear is that it, it it'll lose some of that emotional uh, fiber, and you know I I think you really need all of it. I've always said not data driven, but data derived. You, you need to again. You, there, there's the right way to use the data. Absolutely, bring, bring in human insights that that will drive great creative, and and then of course then you you now can measure how it performs. Bill, I wish you all the luck with with the new opportunities, and uh, please keep me posted on how you're doing with that. But I, I, it's funny, I'm coming up on a year since I started thinking about this podcast. I needed some convincing to do this podcast. This was not something I was going to do. Um, you know, my girlfriend was telling me you need to, you know, you need to think about doing this. You have the voice for it, and I was sort of like, eh, I don't know, maybe. And um, but when I finally made the the commitment to myself that I'm going to do this thing, I really you know, put pen to paper and I only had a couple of musts. The musts were, you know, I needed to be able to speak with people that I had the pleasure of working with throughout my career. That needed to be the very first point of entry. It needed to have be somebody that was either a client or a, a colleague or an employer or something. And then just somebody that I've, I've had the great fortune of working with really closely and respecting. And so I put together my list and, you know, it's, it's not a huge list, but I'm, I'm, I'm pecking away at it. And I think you, you've been on that list since last October. So we're closing in on a year since I wrote your name down, but it's funny. Like I was waiting for the right time to think about when Bill would come on and I didn't know what that would be. And I was, I kept thinking about it here and there. And then when, you know, season two of, of Lasso came out this summer, I was, I, I was like, you know what? I got to this needs to be a story. I need to have Bill tell the story. And then I started seeing you get more active on, on LinkedIn as of late. And you've been talking, obviously people have been reaching out to you about it. So I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Bill. You're such a great guy. I knew you'd say yes. I begged you to say yes, but, but you didn't really need begging. You said yes. You wrote me back in like five minutes, which I was greatly appreciative of. And, and I'm sorry that I had to have you do this twice. <laughs> 
But, I, um, I actually feel fortunate that we got to spend as much time chatting. It's been great to get back in touch. Uh, and you're one of the greats. I, I would honestly say if all the pieces didn't fit together at the outset when we we're launching versus, I, you know, who knows where things would have led. So thank you for all your contributions to everything. Uh, and I appreciate our success, that. my success. And it's great to see all the success you have. And ironically now with, uh, with, with my old team. And I told you uh, the other night that, um, you know, when I thought about what this podcast was going to be for me, because the first couple episodes, you start to kind of work your way through it. And I go back now and I sort of cringe a little bit because I think I could have been better, but I'm finding my voice now. But I, this episode uh, with you is, it represents exactly what I wanted from the show, which is just like really fascinating people, good people that have been very accomplished that I was blessed to work with and just took me... uh, 12 episodes to get there, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep plugging along, but listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, the last episode did really well and it's still doing well. And I think this one is going to do just as well. And uh, I really appreciate your support. Please tell your family and friends and pets about the show and let's keep it going. And I'll be back in a couple weeks for another episode. Thanks again, Bill. Take care. Honored. Be well.